Casinos and gamblers, Ewoks and droids, you are now tuned in to the Disney Holic Show. Hello and welcome to the Disney Holic Show. That's Jen Diz. And that's Mike TV. Today we look back on our recent trip to Las Vegas, including a visit to the Disney Animation Exhibit. Then, we jump into Hyperdrive to review Mando Season 3 and celebrate May the 4th. What's your favorite? Vegas has it all. We were there. And we were there. We could not help but realize how much Disney has infiltrated the streets of Las Vegas. <laughs> whether they know it or not. Or maybe I would say whether Disney Company likes it or not. <laughs> right, yeah. I don't think they're on the high end of that for liking it very much. But, you know, it is what it is. Um but it was really fun because every time I'm with another Disney holic in a place where I'm starting to see a lot of Disney stuff, it's just fun to just try to make it this make believe version of Disneyland. <laughs> and we saw a lot. What did we see? We saw characters galore. So we saw Sorcerer Mickey with Darth Vader, interesting combo. Deadpool was with Mando, also interesting combo. Um, we saw Minnie Mouse and Mickey Mouse, very classic together, but looked Worse than the 1955 Mickey and Minnie oh, Mouse. Oh, yeah. Like, really, you know what it kind of looked like? It looked like the current crop of um, graphics coming out of Disney on the Disney's Parks blog uh, oh, yeah. Instagram. <laughs> like it's the Fiverr off. version, right? Yeah, yeah, Fiverr version of Disney animation. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we saw Goofy. And then if any of you saw my little video that I made, you guys also saw Pennywise was there and he choked me out, which I didn't include. That was very scary. And I walked away and just let it happen. (laughs) You can hear it when I play the video back. You can hear me get panicked and I get serious. I'm like, okay, Mike, Mike. I scream for you because I'm like, oh my God, this guy's going to kill me. That reminds me of like scream. Like imagine you getting slashed right there in front of the Bellagio fountains that are so loud. I'm walking away. Right. There's a whole crowd around you, and nobody knows it's happening. Everyone just thinks it's funny, part of the gig, oh right? If anything, oh my gosh, that's what it felt like was about to happen. But yes, that was another thing. We saw the Bellagio fountains, which I believe they even had part to do with the uh, opening World of Color, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, like same designer. Kind of, same it designer is, right? of okay. the fountains. Yep, of World of Color. I was like, did I make that up? I thought it was real. <laughs> and we got lucky. So yeah, we so got we got to, to see, see um, World of Color. It was we BTS, saw Monorail. which was fun. What'd you say? It was a uh, BTS song is what we got. Oh, that's right. Cool. Usually that it's like Frank Sinatra or Celine Dion, but BTS has been in there since they came for the Vegas concert, and I guess they left it. I thought that was cool. That is, that was cool. Um, what else did we see? The weird thing, though, is like you're saying with Disney Holics, it just finds us even when... We're not looking for it. Or is it the other way around? Who knows? I remember we were at the Total Rewards counter at the Link, which is a Caesars property, and we were getting our Caesars card. And what happened? Like, the lady at the cashier was talking She's about... like, I just came from Orlando. We're like, wait, why? Yeah. 
<laughs> and then we ended up talking about Cosmic Rewind and all these things with the casino lady. And I love that. And the fun part is we're in Vegas, both of us, for work trips. And we were able to squeeze in all the Disney-ness that we wanted, including the exhibit that you've been wanting us to go to. Yes. So I had seen that in Vegas they were opening this new exhibit called the Disney Animation Immersive Exhibit and or Immersive Experience. And um, it was just so happening to open in, in Las Vegas right when we were going to go. So it's like uh, we kind of have to go to this thing. Uh, so we did. And we actually got uh, it's our first sponsored gig, you guys. I love it. We made it. <laughs> but it's very, very kind of them to invite us in to uh, check out the exhibit and let you guys know what it's like. We would have done this probably anyway, so it's it's fun to talk about the experience and get to see like the back end of it a little bit. But um, I didn't really like look too much into it because I wanted the whole no spoiler route. Like I just knew this was some kind of like. Thing you go into, I thought it was going to be more like the Meow Wolf vibe where you walk through a bunch of weird things or like photo ops or something. You know how they've had those before at Downtown Disney? Yeah. But this was much different and it was actually really cool. So um, a little bit before the show, they had sent me an email saying that we have to make sure we get there for our time slot for the show, they said. And I'm like, what's the show? Mm -hmm. So I asked and like, oh, it's like an hour long show that you watch. And I'm like... Oh, and then I got a little bum thing. I'm like, oh, I don't want to just go sit in a movie theater and watch something about Disney. We've done that a million times over, right? But, Mike, tell us what this was actually like. I think a good comparison, if anyone out there went to see the Van Gogh exhibit, I believe it's like put on by the same people because they kind of uh, interchange it. Uh, the Van Gogh exhibit was has been around now for like 10 years, immersive. And essentially what it is with the Disney version, you walk in to this massive uh kind of like studio looking thing all the walls are uh made of projections but it looks so crisp from far away and you could see everything from icons and props from disney films like cinderella's slipper and it's just kind of like a it reminded me of a video game when you walk into like a lobby of a virtual reality video game before you start uh, and then there was mirrors everywhere so that there was no break in the immersion. So wherever you looked, you were seeing something. And then they had benches for us to sit. And they also gave us these little um, sort of cushions. So if you wanted to sit on the floor, which was nice because that was a little bit of a signal that, hey, yeah, you could really sit anywhere you want, in, including the benches or on the floor. And it was one of those that the more you added yourself into the experience the better it was and as usual it, it was up to you and me <laughs> you and I to start that <laughs> because everyone was just kind of just hanging out shy and so as soon <laughs> yeah. as we noticed that the floor started moving when you walked over it for example like the sparkles would move of the projections then we were walking everywhere and dancing and prancing um, and that was already fun just waiting for the actual show to start. And then when the show itself started, um, definitely immersive, just beautiful. The whole entire giant studio warehouse room would change and kind of move you through the Disney animation archives by themes. So, for example, there was one that was beautiful where you got to see everything that was sort of forest or jungle or foliage based. So all these leaves were everywhere. And when you stepped on the ground, the leaves would move away. And so when you think of that, 
we get to see characters like Tarzan and Kanto. Pocahontas showed up and did her Colors of the Wind moment, and we were singing and spinning around. Um, so that was cool. There was also a underwater one, which that one was really exciting. We're like, we felt ourselves going underwater. We're trying to guess. We're like, is this Nemo? Is this Mermaid? We hope it's Little Mermaid. And then, of course, it was Little Mermaid. And they started off with, I think, Under the Sea, which you can imagine that is very immersive. If the entire walls around you are putting you underwater and then you have all the beautiful colors of the Under the Sea scene from the animated film, Little Mermaid. And then, of course, they had to take it up a notch. And there were bubbles coming out of the ceiling. And that was exciting. <laughs> we're spinning around and laughing. And by, I think by that time, maybe like the second themed scene, people started walking around a bit. Um, and you could right. see like little kids. We almost stepped on a baby because <laughs> the baby looked like it was a projection on the floor. And every other projection that we saw on the floor, we would stomp on to see if it interacted with you. Like they had yeah, like things would happen fruits. when you stomp on these things <laughs> yeah. on the projections. And like, for instance, the under the sea part, there was like a seashell. And if you stomp on it, it opens up like a clamshell and there's a pearl and stuff, ha- bubbles come out and whatnot. And then, well, there's this baby. Let's see what happens when we. <laughs> Freaky. It was pretty crazy. Uh, there was a, uh, like a, Flight, I would say sky or flight-based theme. That one was really pretty. It had uh, Peter Pan, rescuers. Uh, there was a lot of Treasure Planet, which was kind of funny. There was. And <laughs> speaking of, there was a lot of deep cuts, which I yeah. enjoyed. Like for even rescuers, it's not as much of a deep cut as Treasure Planet, but you never see it yeah, put in any totally. of these montages or whatever. So that was really cool. Let's see. What else do they have? They had um, a little bit of like a wishing montage as well, which was good because the Wish movie is coming out. So they were showing all the different characters throughout Disney films making wishes. I think that might have actually either been the intro or the ending. It was like a really nice like full Disney moment to have that one. Right. Um, But yeah, I, I really loved it. I thought... It was great. I'm glad I did the same as you, where I really didn't know what it was. I didn't really start asking questions until like five minutes before. I was like, wait, what is this? What are we doing? Uh, And so when we got there, it was nice to just literally be immersed in Disney animation and uh, in the middle, I guess, of a Las Vegas trip after we just came from Disneyland. So it just kept the Disney (laughs) magic going for another week. It like extended it for us, which was nice. Right. Yeah, I think that's one of the best things about this exhibit is it's, I'll tell you guys in a little bit, all the cities it's going to be in, but it's it's kind of spread out all over the place, and it gives you that chance when you can't go to the park to get yeah. into the Disney spirit, right? Like, I really love that. And I have to say, we're walking down the strip. It's crazy. It's Las Vegas. It's, like, loud. And then you walk into this the beautiful, uh, what hotel is it in? Oh, this is, is in, in the Crystal Shopping Center at City that's Center, right. which is owned by MGM. Next to Cosmopolitan. That's a mouthful. It was gorgeous. The whole way walking through to get to this place is just beautiful, but it felt very Las Vegas still. And then all of a sudden you walk into this Disney exhibit, and as soon as you cross the path from the outside of the mall to inside the door of this exhibit, it's like, boom, Disney. Like the Steamboat Willie songs playing. They have like a photo op for you to take picture in the Steamboat Willie boat. Um, It just like all of a sudden like washes over you like you're like whoa we're back in Disney like just immediately which is really cool um, especially from 
the stark difference in that one situation that we happen to be in Las Vegas. Yeah. It's just so different than each other. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we're in our element right now, right? So <laughs> that was really cool. Um, what else was I going to say? I feel like the way that you could interact with things during the show was super important because it, I think that was like my favorite part that kept us engaged in the yeah. show instead of just sitting down and watching it. And you are right. We did. We are the party starters, right? So <laughs> we did get other people up off their butts and started moving around. And you know, the whole walls all the way up to the ceiling and everything around you is part of the visuals. So you don't really have to worry about blocking someone's view yeah, if you're walking nice. in front of them or whatever. It's like giant. So you should get up and walk around and enjoy it. And one thing I was thinking of a lot while we were in there, because it was pretty loud, like the music was pretty loud, and I was singing along with almost every song, right? And I feel like you can get away with singing pretty loudly and not bothering other people yeah. because it's so loud. Yep. And so I was like, this would be so fun to have like a karaoke, like a Disney karaoke party, like rent it out. I don't even know if that's a possibility. But just like have a bunch of Disney holics go together even. Just arrange a thing that everybody shows up at the same time for the regular viewing and just have a ball in there. Like just get into the Disney spirit, really own it, and just like enjoy the time. Um, it also makes a really great opportunity for like a date night. We saw... Yeah. Um, for instance, a family of three, it was like the mom, the dad, and a baby in a stroller. And they were like videotaping each other with this beautiful Disney background behind them. And they're like the mom videotaping. dancing we're and old. pushing the kid around <laughs> in the stroller. What did you say? I said we're old. When I hear us say things like videotaping. <laughs> oh, my God. Recording on cell phone, rather. I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> It was really cute, though. I love the cup seeing the the date night stuff. There was a a moment for Aladdin, and there was a whole new world scene and the carpet. And then I pointed out, I was like, look at that couple. They turned their poses on the bench they were sitting on. So now they were sitting like they're on the carpet. And I just thought that was the cutest thing ever. So cute. And you could look at them walking down the strip. You wouldn't even think they're like Disney holics or anything. So it was adorable. It was very cute. Yeah, it seemed like everybody in there knew all the words to all the songs. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, Disney is infectious, and this was a perfect example of that. Um, but yeah, it was beautiful, and the transitions were great. Like, I didn't feel like I was, like, lost in this experience at all. And it was really, like, the celebration of Disney animation. Yeah. Um, we also said many times it reminded us of the Animation Academy, but on crack. Like, yeah. it was, like, yeah. this huge ceiling-to-wall version of the Animation Academy, um, and we were like, oh, I wonder if they're testing this out to see if they could change up, like, progress the Animation Academy to something else, you yeah. know? It's, it's just fun to think about that kind of stuff, or kind of blue-skying while we're in there. <laughs> the thing that I wish they did a little bit more of was merch. Remember when we exited, we were, like, sniffing yes. around to find something that said, you know, Disney Animation Exhibit or Experience and the only thing we got was one of those very D23 Expo style uh, souvenirs, which was a kind of a printout, a print, what was it called? A, a print, print, yeah. <laughs> it was a print, it was, yeah, I think it was specific for the experience and it did show like a bunch of the Disney characters that were part of the show, basically. Like, look, you just experienced all of this Disney like lifespan, you know? in this experience, which is cool. Um, 
but yeah, there it would have been great to have like a T-shirt or something. Is I think that's yeah, what you're looking for too, right? Some kind of like thing you could sport around. Um, yeah, the exhibit. That's where you're talking about Van Gogh. Used to be in that space. They still have a ton of merch for the yeah. Van Gogh. Uh, and I think it, it well, still so. was. I remember telling you I was so amazed that they could flip this for like eight o'clock or whatever, and it's the Van Gogh all of a sudden because it's just a blank. Oh, I didn't realize studio. that. Yeah, there was. You that could buy sense, tickets though. for both. Yeah, uh, but I do recommend that one if anybody just likes the feeling of being immersed, even if it's not Van Gogh or whatever. Either of these are really beautiful. I did the Van Gogh one in Arizona a long time ago at the Science Museum, and. For any of these immersive ones, we also think like, oh, you, it would be cool if you were on drugs, but we're too old for that and we can't do that anymore. <laughs> but it's very like visually stimulating and like seeing Starry Night come to life, I remember still was incredible. Right. Um, actually, in the Disney experience, there were a few moments when they were showing some of the older cartoons where I was just like lost in my thoughts about like how amazing this piece of art is because yeah. you see it like bigger than life truly right on the giant screens and you're just like man even blown up this big in this room it still looks like so cool and you have so much nostalgia attached yeah. to every piece they're showing that you're just kind of like overwhelmed with all these different feelings but it was all good ones because disney just brings it out in you like it was so nice ugh. yeah like they would it was show so nice like they would utilize backgrounds from animated films like Bambi without the characters for a good like 30 seconds. And you could just see what you're saying, like that artwork that was hand drawn at that time. And then even the computer animated ones when it got to like Encanto and stuff, just beautiful. Like with even without the characters, just standing there in the environment. Right. It was really yeah. cool. Lion King it was now coming to mind. That's always a good one to surround you with both the <laughs> yeah, circle oh yeah, of life at the beginning. soundtrack and then the the savanna and that sun coming up. That's yeah, like never the sunrise or sunset view mm-hmm. all around. Just picture yourself in this giant warehouse size room with the entire wall, ceiling, to floor a giant sunset. Like oh, it was beautiful. Dang. And then they even had like. Remember that one scene, I think it was with the villains, and they started having bubbles come out with smoke in them? Oh, yep, 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 yep. You know yep. those bubbles? There was a pop them and they go, shh, like a little smoke. That was very just cool. those little details that are just, like, really put it over the top. Um, I even remember the Aladdin A Whole New World song. There was a magic carpet on the floor, and you found yeah. it, and you ran over and sat on it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, that was another thing. The projections somehow I don't even understand how you they are able to do it because they are projected. But the like the carpets it looked real. It looked like so the real. carpets were printed. It was so weird that I was like there was a royal scene. I think it was like frozen or something. And the it was a a castle type of carpet you would expect the castle floor to look like and it looked like, I just kept staring at yeah. it. I was like, this looks so real. So what is real. happening? And you can barely see your own shadow, which is also... Yeah. I don't get how that works. Like, as I'm standing on something, I can still see the thing that I'm trying to stand on. How does that even happen? I it's, don't even know. It's so bizarre. Like, I don't know how it how they did the technology behind, like, sensing where we were stomping and walking on. And then, yeah, the, the rug, the carpet was... Um, wasn't white or anything like i still don't understand how they did that so well i know so it was so crisp and I'm textured still sometimes no idea. it felt textured like what yeah very cool <laughs> super cool 
Um, so yeah, so you can also check them out. They are at www.lighthouseimmersive.com. Um, tickets do start around $39.99, depending on the day and time that you choose. Uh, and as of now, there's different locations doing different timelines. So I would check into your specific location you like to go to and see when they're running through. But it looks like most of them are running through August for about now. So you have a little bit of time still. And the cities that they are currently in, and evidently they are still adding to the list. So that's cool to see them expanding. But right now they are in Atlanta, Boston, Cleveland, Columbus, Dallas, Denver, Detroit, Houston, Minneapolis, Nashville, San Antonio, and then also up in Canada, in London, Ontario, and Toronto. So they are really spread out in a lot of those major cities here in the U.S. and a couple in Canada. So I would highly suggest checking out. It could be one of those really fun surprises to just get a nice Disney dose into your day when you just, you know, maybe not expecting it. And then also maybe you could surprise someone else with a trip. Yeah. I mean, the whole time we were just like ooing and aahing and smiling. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, and then we came out of it. We're like, whoa, what do we do now? And then we go back out to the Las Vegas trip. You're like, oh, this is so weird. (laughs) Yes, but definitely two thumbs up for me. Highly uh, suggest going. And I would go back. And I would literally want to go back with my partner, have a date night. I'd want to go back with like a ton of Disneyholics and sing along to the songs. I want to do all the things. So I kind of want them to bring one to San Francisco. But you know what? We'll see if we can. It would be fun to go back. There were so many... I mean, we ha- we did do a lot of videotaping <laughs> with our cell phones, which I haven't even looked at yet. It's like so, so many clips, but it it's so good that you could use it and make your own music video. You were saying because the background, yeah, so there was good. oh my god, there was a moment where I was like, oh, this is gonna like both of the couples with the babies near us kept videotaping one or the other in front of the screen, holding their child. And I was like, do you know how cool that video is going to be when that kid is, like, 20, seeing himself with his mother when he was, like, one years old with, like, Simba right behind him or whatever yeah. big Disney thing? If Like, oh, it was just, like, really cool. And a lot of music videos and shows, even, like, Mandalorian, for instance, the whole background is just a screen now. Yeah. Like, they're filming with screens yeah. as the backgrounds now. So people were making their own cool little music videos in there. And I was like... Man, I kind of want to come back and have a costume ready or something like. Ooh, imagine it, a you know Star Wars exhibit in there. Shoot! Wow. Okay. Shoot. Okay, that would be very cool. That would be very cool. <laughs> um, well, while we were in Vegas, we thought, oh, let's take a look at some of our Patreon topics because we are still at the end of our Patreon takeover. And from Pamela, we got a really good prompt, which was, hey, what if Disney decided to cash all in on Disney adults and purchase or acquire the Excalibur Resort over in Las Vegas? And if we were to blue sky it and make some changes so that the hotel would feel more like Disney, what would we do? So we didn't have time to actually go into the Excalibur. I've been there a handful of times. Do you remember what it looks like inside? Have you been in there? Yes. Um, I happen to get them all mixed up, though. So I think it just looked castle-y, right? Like yeah, how the, the outside, outside looks, looks like the, uh, to look. the castle inn across from Disneyland back in the day. Is it still yeah. there? <laughs> yeah. It looks just like that. Kind of like a toy. Uh, not as realistic looking. And then when you go inside, um, it is kind of interesting because inside it's a mixture of... Um, 
like medieval times show feeling. That's and a good way fact, to explain it. In fact, I think they have it. one, right? They might have that there, now that I think about it. Some dinner show or something. Um, but yeah, it's basically his castle. It looks very King Arthur, sor- sor- Sword in the Stone type of theme. Right. Um, yeah. What would you do with it? What would Disney look like in Vegas proper? So you took something right out of my mouth already, Sword <laughs> in the Stone. I thought would be a really fun thing to bring as an experience here at the uh, Las Vegas Excalibur uh, sponsored by Disney, I guess we'll say. Um, and I really wanted to do a big section of not only Sword in the Stone, but mix it some way with Black Cauldron. Oh, Because I feel my like those goodness. have similar styles already, oh. and they're both very in that same type of castle. Yeah. So I wanted to have like a really cool King Arthur-looking Sword in the Stone dinner uh, show, similar to like Medieval Times probably. Um but then you can exit through two different ways, and one would lead you down into the dungeons, and you would be going through a Black Cauldron experience Ooh. down there. <laughs> I love it. Um, and then if you go the other way, you would end up going through what I was kind of leaning towards, I guess, was Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. That's also the same era of castles, right? So um, you might be able to go and see like the spinning... Spinning wheel room with a million spinning wheels thrown Ooh. in the in the room and get to see Aurora sleeping away. Um, maybe something similar to like the castle walkthrough even. Um, but let me see. I think I would just turn this into an experience heavy location with one dark ride because that place has a Ooh. lot of space. Yeah, right. you could put a dark and ride. And dark in there. rides don't take up too much space, so we'd have to have at least one fun Disney dark ride in there. Um, so we'd already have our big dinner, uh, and then we'd have a dark a dark ride. Probably, actually, kind of want to give that one to Sleeping Beauty now that I think about it, because I would love a Sleeping Beauty dark ride with. I'm going to give that to it. Let's pull that back. Let's give a Sleeping Beauty dark ride because I want Ivan Earl's. Artwork to be bigger than life. I've never seen it in that ma- in that oh, format. Oh yeah, that would be I gorgeous. I think that would be so pretty and like be able to ride through like the multi-plane camera view. Like Ooh. you're just driving through it instead. Like you are the camera. That's amazing. <gasps> With some history, like it's a hybrid of Sleeping Beauty and the history of Walt Disney Animation's uh, technology. Yeah. <gasps> yes, that would be really cool. Be cool. I want to add to yours instead of making a new one. Okay. And I was thinking, what if that dark ride had a portion where it, di- it went outside? You know how, like, Alice in Wonderland at Disneyland goes outside a bit? Let's right. say it goes outside toward the strip, like, facing where people are walking. And that's where the giant Maleficent Murphy dragon is oh. breathing fire. So not only do you see it on the ride, but anyone walking on the strip can see this giant dragon in front of the Excalibur Castle. Amazing. Now, would we just have the dragon, or would we just have the whole ass phantasmic show out there? Oh my god, we might as well. <laughs> might as well. Might as well, and they could do those like stage pyrotechnics instead, because I know they probably can't blow off a bunch of fireworks right there every night. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, that would be amazing because that could tie right in, and then you could also pan it right on over to. Fantastic. Yeah. Ooh, I like it. Okay, maybe we should popcorn this a bit more. Um, There's also, I'm thinking Vegas, shows, casinos, and restaurants. 
So shows. Oh, yeah, Vegas show. We need a Vegas yeah. show. You're right. There's like so much. There's so much you could do when it comes with Disney and shows. I would say if we're sticking to the castle theme, perhaps like a version of the princess uh, songs. I think it's on tour right now, the Disney princess tour, but in drag. <laughs> Please. <laughs> it would be so good. It would get the adults so there, cool. the kids there, the gays there. It would be so fun. Oh, my God. Yes, I love that idea. I actually want that right now, please. <laughs> um, and then what did I just think about? I just thought about something else, too. Oh, I was thinking, like, are we going to have a casino in here? 1,000%. And you have to have a casino. Yeah. But what if, you know how sometimes you'll see, like, a Mariah Carey slot machine yeah. or a Little Shop of Horrors? What if they're all Disney ones because Amazing. we don't really see those? I would they can be lose so much money branded. if they had that. Yeah. I would just be sticking my $20 <laughs> bills just to, like, play the bonus games. Like, imagine, like, a Peter Pan bonus game or Pirates oh of the Caribbean bonus game. Right? Where your seat is, like, shaking while you're pulling the slot lots amazing oh my god and even the buttons you press make the noises from the movies yeah. or the attractions or like maybe the ones that are in the parks you press the the like max bet and it goes like the little oh wow like that the would gate be very noise cool. stop yep, yep. or that, that could be the disneyland one let's have a park specific disneyland icons slot machine oh yeah <gasps> that way it has several things to go to cycle through um, table yeah. games, I think, would be fun if you just put them in theme to the costume. Uh, so, like, let's say the we're talking about some blackjack tables that's near that dungeon area you were talking about at Black Cauldron. So they could be dressed up as, like, henchmen and henchwomen. Ooh. And maybe some henchwomen, uh, like, dancing on the... I guess they can't be stripping, but dancing on the... Uh, <laughs> The tables, because they usually, they have that at Caesar's Palace, like it's like pussycat dolls and they're, they're dancing, but some other version of that. You know how in those old D Castle Kingdom movies, there's like people twirling with uh, banners and colorful things? Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of yep. what it's called. But that would be cool. I know what you're talking about. Maybe they could do some type of like flash mob in the middle and do like the choreography from magic happens Ooh, parade <laughs> okay there needs to be a parade cavalcade there's cavalcade. your cavalcades right through the casino yes and it's doable you know why at the rio they have those there's a uh uh what is it called carnival that happens like every 20 minutes oh. except it's hanging from the ceiling oh my gosh so imagine color color me bad <laughs> imagine main street electrical parade or paint the night hanging and going through the casino at oh night. my oh, god wow. okay this is getting pretty cool then you could have a whole shopping <laughs> district you know you gotta buy st merch so there could be a whole world of disney that has like really cool you know how disney store like in new york has special items like mini with statue of liberty so they could have really cool vegas things like the the um Frank Sinatra and those guys, what are they called? The They had a name. Oh, the, the Rat Pack. Rat pack? They could have a Rat Pack, but it's like the Fab Five. Creators. Oh, I would buy yeah. that merch in a second. They could also have like the bougie area of the shopping district. So like have like Loungefly and Harvey's yeah. and all the Disney brands that are like expensive. Pandora What's crystals. the one that they always have the bags of? Dolce Gabbana or something? No, Dolce oh, Gabbana. Oh, uh, Coach. That's two words. Coach, There's what's the other one? There's something that's always... Louis Vuitton? Do they do one? Do they no, do another day? Maybe, maybe. 
It's okay. It's something that they always have in the parks. Oh, D- Dooney and Burke? Yes, yeah, that, there that, it yeah. is. Yeah, Dooney and Burke. <laughs> and then uh, dining. So they already do really good with that. You could do something as simple as uh, copy pasting the entire Beauty and the Beast restaurant from Disney World there. Oh, yeah. Um, you could or make something Or maybe one of new. those Ratatouille ones from the cruise ship. Oh, where yeah. Where you draw the animation one. Oh, yeah. Just take the ones from the cruise ship. That art of animation one is so fun. The one where the, the walls and the drawings come to life as you're yeah, eating. Yeah, that one. Oh, yeah, that's I... not the same as the Ratatouille one, huh? The Ratatouille one's projections. Ratatouille. You're talking about Remy, the restaurant? I I. Oh, there's a restaurant called... I think so. The one where you, like, see stuff on the table. Yeah, that's the um, animation one. It's called... Okay. Animation... Animator's Palette. That's what it's called. There's the food Ah. tours. But to your point, let's also put Remy there. Remy is an expensive restaurant that you have to pay extra for on the Disney Cruise. And you have to, like... have a nice restaurant ...wear a collar just to get in. Yeah, they should have one of those with some, like, fancy steak and French food. I love it. Oh, and then what if we needed a nightclub? Because we are in Vegas for adults only. Have adults only uh, Vegas Disney nightclub. What will we have there? They should bring back Pleasure Island right there. Oh my God! Stop. And it could be like outdoor, like next to the castle. So it's like part of Vegas, like all lit up. Please have the um, Adventures Club. With the Adventures Club. That would fit so perfectly there. I'm getting too excited. I have to cover my face. Adventures Club is one of those two where, oh my God, I would love Adventures Club if they had the bars where you could sit and play the slots while it's yeah, all happening. Yeah. So you get your, your drinks, you get your casino going, your entertainment, you're hanging out with friends. Hello, Disney. Oh my gosh. I am surprised. There's there's plenty of um, articles and YouTube videos about like Disney and Vegas that I've I've come across over the years because I've always wondered, like, why haven't they? And there was that point in the mid-90s where Vegas was trying to get family-friendly. They built Circus Circus in that indoor theme park. MGM Grand uh, refurbed and added the Wizard of Oz, like, little themed area. But it just none of it did well. Like, I I actually agree. Like, this needs to be an adult playground. Like, I don't want kids in Vegas. So I could see why it didn't work, but... In our fantasies, I would love this version. And these days, there's enough Disney adults that I think it would it would work. It could work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they could keep it from being too adult to where it's like off brand for them, but still make it adult to where adults will really enjoy it and they don't have to worry about like, do I need to bring my family or any of that stuff? It just can be yeah. adults only or, you know, most sections of it or something like that. Ugh. Oh, and of course there would have to be a DVC Disney Vacation Club tower of the castle, <laughs> which would also right? be Right, you could Keep buy points going. there too. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I would go a lot more to Vegas if there was a DVC room I could get there. Right? <laughs> or like, Yeah. Because one of the problems that, like, I don't go to Vegas hardly ever. I've only been there recently just on by chance. But it's because I, I just don't feel connected with it. But if they were to throw a bunch of Disney in there, you know I'd be there all the time. Imagine. Wow. This was a very good topic. <laughs> Pamela, thank you. I hope Disney yes, that was is fun. listening to our blue sky idea for the Disney Excalibur. Yeah, Pamela, let us know if you're going to visit our hotel. <laughs> Just want to know. Yeah, give us a TripAdvisor review for the new Disney version of Excalibur. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's perfect. 
All right, so traveling out of Vegas and heading over to Disneyland. But guess what tomorrow is? Today is May the 3rd. Tomorrow is May the 4th be with you, a.k.a. Star Wars Day. I love the disco Star Wars. It's so good. It's so cute. Can we have that at Star Wars night? <laughs> so happy oh, they May the Fourth for the to everyone. They should, happy May please. the Fourth. They should. Yes, Happy May the Fourth. It's always a great day to celebrate. Hope everybody's bringing it into the life somehow. It's always fun to do something. I know. Uh, shout out to Raul. He is going to be at a Star Wars themed wedding on May the Fourth. So lucky. Um, and then I'm actually heading to Disneyland, and I will be at Star Wars Night on May the 2nd. And there's no cool pun with that one, I don't think, unfortunately. But maybe I should figure one out. No, right? It goes May to the 4th, the... and then they started going after that. <laughs> yeah, May the May the Sith. Oh, right? May the 2nd the... sister? Or no, she's 7th sister. 7th? <laughs> I got excited. I was like, yeah! May the... Who, who I think is going to be there. I saw pictures of her last year, and scary she's gonna be there this year too yeah she's scary um so i wanted to mention a couple things i am very excited i'm going with claudia shout out um she's gonna 100 one up me in her costume so i'm not going super hard but (laughs) i did figure out something to wear probably very similar to what i did last time um but i've been a bit busy so that's all we get but i'm excited because there are a couple new characters going um, last year was my first year going, and now I'm going again this year. This will also be my second or my first time going to an After Dark Night I've already been to in a previous year. And I thought about it. I was like, you know what? They don't change too drastically. So this might be the new way I'm going to do it. So you know how After Dark Night for Throwback Night, I went both nights that were available. Maybe, and we didn't know if you know they're even going to repeat that one or not. So be careful with how you make your decision. But I already realized that this time I'm going to Star Wars night, I already don't need to do most of the things on the list because I already did them. Yeah. And I could just enjoy the night more versus standing in lines the whole time. So very excited about that. I think there's only two new characters that I'm personally really excited about. One is Queen Amidala. Amazing. And I, I still can't believe they haven't had her yet because she has so many cool costumes that they can just like, I would love to watch just a Queen Amidala parade of just all her. Right? (laughs) All her outfits. And she had clones so that she could bring them all out in all her different costumes. Like, I feel like we've we've seen a row of costumes, maybe at the expo or something. And it's just so breathtaking. They're beautiful. Yeah. So I'm excited to see her. So I'm going to line up to meet her. And then the other one I'm excited about is Chopper from Rebels. Chopper, if you aren't familiar, he's an R5 unit, um, and he's super cute and lots of personality, just like you've seen out of, like, R2-D2 or, um, or what was it, BB-8, yes, BB-8, <laughs> Jesus, I couldn't remember his name for a second, um, but yeah, so Chopper will be there, very exciting, I personally have a little connection with Chopper, because I did watch a decent amount of Rebels, I just love him, and it's also a nickname of mine from my partner, he calls me Chopper because he just thinks I'm like rah, 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 all the time. So <laughs> he, like, sound, he says I sound like Chopper when I'm like complaining about things. So Chopper and me have a moment and I'm going to have that with him 
at this event, so I'm very excited. That's very cool. I will be watching through Instagram to see those moments. I hope that you get some footage of like the emperor being real creepy again with his hood Oh my on. God, it was so fun. Very weird. Yes, I, I actually might try to see in this time. The last time the line was excruciating long, so I did not get in that one. Um, however, I am also dressing up as uh, Ray Palpatine again this year, Empress Ray. So I want to like... Maybe go see Grandpa. Uh, Grandpa. Might be a funny interaction. (laughs) Hey, Gramps. Um, We'll see if you can understand my costume. You know, who knows? I always go weird deep cuts or mashups or something with my costume. So not everybody gets it, but we'll have to see. (laughs) There is uh, a lot of chatter about the After Dark Night this year not having Ahsoka Tano. And I'm curious why. Is it because the show's about to come out and they want to hold back for something bigger? Is it because people like Claudia are actually better looking? I was going to say, uh, don't worry. Ahsoka Tano will be there. It is my friend Claudia. And you guys can come say hi to her all you like. I got to say, the cosplayers Um, bring it. And a lot of times they are better than the Disney official ones. It's true. So last year, I don't know why they don't have Ahsoka. I have no idea. Um, however, last year they did have her on the lineup and then they only brought her out for like, I don't even know, like only one of the nights I think she came out or something. It was like real short and she was up on like the launch bay, like second floor where the DVC stuff is now. She was like up there. And so we're all joking saying that her makeup was so bad that they had to put her like far away. (laughs) So you couldn't really see her up close. Probably. Maybe her like dingleberry thing, whatever that thing hangs from her head is like messed up. (laughs) I think there's an official name for that thing. Yeah, it's called a Lenko or something like that. There's a name for it. I also can't remember right now. Do you think if you were to... Lyco something? I have questions. Is it like, uh, you know how with some cultures, like it's inappropriate to touch someone's hair or ask about it. I want to know in the world of Star Wars, like, can I touch that? Because I want to feel it to see if it's like slimy or dry. I've always wondered. (laughs) And, I would get say mad. no because me. it looks like it would feel like like you're touching my neck or something. Ooh, it's weird. too skin. Like it's like flesh. skin, <laughs> and nobody really ever touches each other's skin, right? Like I don't come up and like rub your arm. <laughs> that would be weird Ooh, too. That's so pretty. Let me see your arm. <laughs> right. It looks like flesh, so I wouldn't even want to touch it anyway. But yeah, it has some of that, that flesh texture. That could be another part of the issue. Maybe there's parts of her costume that are just too easy to, like, mess up or pull off or whatever. I don't know. Shoot. Now I'm trying to remember the name of the the thing that it's called. I can't remember. Anyway. um, So, yeah. I don't know if we'll see her or not. I guess she's not even on the list, so probably not. But, however, I will be hanging out with her all night, so I'm pretty happy about that. And then while we're thinking of Ahsoka, we should also think of another series in the Star Wars universe, The Mandalorian, which just wrapped up season three. We just got through the season finale, not series, season finale. Um, and yeah, what are what did you think about? Like, first of all, I think you said something very interesting to me the other day. So what... Like, is a big picture. Did you like it, love it, hate it? What did you think? Mandalorian season three. First of all, I kept thinking it was season four because Boba Fett felt like (laughs) season three of Mando. 
So yeah, season three, I loved it. I think my favorite seasons now are one and three. Um, but I, at the same time, I see them all as one big, um, I think as it's meant to be, because they call them chapters, right? Chapter one, chapter two. I see them all as like a series of books that are meant to be read back to back. And what I'm loving about The Mandalorian is it really started off as this contained single mission story. And that was, you know, the child and the Mandalorian. And then the world started opening up more and more. And we start to learn more about the Star Wars mythology. And then by the time we get to season three, Grogu and Mandalorian's sort of, or Din Djarin's adventure is kind of over already. So I'm thinking Jon Favreau and team were like, okay, now what do we do? We kind of finish them off in Boba Fett and they're reunited and everything's back and everything's good. And so season three was a big change, a big shift in the entire show. Felt more like Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings. There was just so many different storylines happening and coming together and side quests. Uh, in fact, the, the yeah. episode with, uh, with Lizzo and Jack Black, that episode, uh, I loved because it felt like when I'm playing a, an open world video game and I decide to not continue with the main quest because for whatever reason, either I'm ADD or I just don't want to finish the game yet. That's another reason sometimes. I'll do a side quest and that whole episode where they went to that planet that was inspired by Epcot is what the production designer said. That that whole episode reminded me of one of these side quests where you meet these really weird random characters, you get something done <laughs> so that you could get a power up that will help you with the rest of it. So I, I kind of see the whole Mando series video game like, especially season one and season three. Um, but I just really am loving where it's going in, in terms of the Mandalorian mythology and expanding that to the point where is the title meant to indicate we're talking about Din Djarin? Or is the Mandalorian the Mandalorian people? And I think it's probably all of the above. I mean, at one point I was like, oh, the Mandalorian is Grogu. That's who they're talking about. So it's really all of that. And I think it's it's cool to come together, that the way it came together, the way it's coming together is cool. And leading up now into all these spin-offs where I think we're gonna start seeing the more of the crossing into each other's show with Ahsoka and Boba Fett, the way Boba Fett did with Mandalorian, because they're all taking place in uh, what fans call the Mandoverse. So at least it's all in the same timeline, which is nice, and brings in some of the stuff people loved from Jon Favreau's other shows that took place in the past, like the Rebels series and Clone Wars. Got it, got it. Yeah. <sighs> you have thoughts. Uh... You have thoughts on it. <laughs> I just really didn't enjoy it. Um... I think I really only liked season one, like, fully. Like, I was, like, so bought in in season one. And then season two, I was like, okay, what what's happening? Like, it kind of felt a little weird. Like, there's moments here and there where I was really into it, moments here and there where I was like, I don't even know what's happening. And then season three, I just, I couldn't get into any of it. I don't know what it was. Um, the Mandalorian, I, I kind of try to explain this to you, but I'll say, I'll say it again for everybody listening. But for me, the Mandalorian, I liked them to be these like, almost like machines. Like they are quiet, they are reserved, and they just get business done. And I liked that for them. Like I don't feel like I need to know them on a personal basis. So when it got to... Like, the fighting, like, trying to save that guy's kid, and then 
something about the voice actors, it just kind of ruined it for me. And they just kind of felt like a bunch of doofuses. Like, they, like <laughs> I don't know, like their voices, even in this last episode, the very beginning, there's this one guy where he goes, oh, there's a crack in the ceiling. Let's go through it. And it was just like something about the way he said it. I was like, he just sounds like an idiot. And that's not at all how I picture the Mandalorian. I feel like they're like these top of the line, can't mess with them. Like they are boss bitches, like, right? Like they like just get it done and Black Ops like, Army type of thing. Like we Some have, like yeah. even higher than that. Like a, in a fictitious version, yeah. right? Like, um, and, and so think- it was weird. And like, even Dejarin, like the way he is so private that we didn't, he's almost mysterious, right? We didn't yeah. know much about him. And then we started seeing his personal side, which I like because he's still, you can see that he's still private, but he's like, these emotions are coming out of him versus just like seeing their normal selves. I don't know how to explain yeah. it, but it, it just bothered me. I didn't like it. However, I know, Mike, you are a lot, first of all, more into Star Wars than me in general, but also you watch a lot of these fan videos and, like, explainer videos and whatnot, and I never watch them. I think I need to find time in my life, too, because you even said it before. You're like, I already enjoy something. I watch these, and I enjoy it even more because I learn so much from them that of all these things that I might not catch or understand. They explain it to you. They teach you all these things. They show you all the Easter eggs, which I love. Um... Especially because... So, yeah, so maybe I'll try that for this one, but as just watching it straight, I did not enjoy it. And also, I love a good cameo, and I love some fan service, but when it feels... This this season specifically, it just started feeling like they're just making this... It almost felt like a satire just so they could have all their friends in it. Do you know mm, what I mean? Yeah. Like, it just felt weird, and, like, every time there was a cameo, it felt like they were just, like, not a real character. If that makes any sense. Like it's, it's just a, like, oh hey, there's Lizzo. There's a <laughs> lot of um, a lot of Star Wars gal- galaxy to unpack there, and I think it's really interesting. What I like about your perspective on this is it's very rooted in OG Star Wars because the only Mandalorian we saw in the actual original trilogy before all this other stuff came alive, we just knew of Boba Fett, and Boba right. Fett was mysterious. He was badass. And yeah. <laughs> he was very targeted at, uh, like, to to uh, be sold next to toys that were targeted at little boys. Like, it was an action figure come to life, mysterious, masked. We never saw his face. And he was a bounty hunter. And being a bounty hunter is already, like, cool and badass and rebellious. And so there is a sense where I thought that all Mandalorians were that, too. And I think I had a moment when I was watching Rebels where I realized that they were a people i didn't even really know i thought that was like his name i I didn't know all that much yet and so the fun thing about watching these youtubes are that even for the stuff that i haven't seen like i haven't watched any of clone wars and i haven't read any of the books or the legends um they start to connect all those dots for you so yeah it is a good idea to watch those after um if you want like a little bit more sprinkling of the context of some of the stuff but to your point you shouldn't need to so it's kind of hard to do both that fan service but also an original story that makes sense to anybody is probably right yeah tough. that's a good yeah. point um and i like maybe that's the... why i'm not liking it actually that might be the perfect reason it's just kind of like what is this <laughs> and then and then i'll even even after you'll tell me some stuff you're like oh i watched this video and all these things and i realize all this stuff and i'm like 
I don't think I put that together, but that might be part of the problem. It's like, well, why would I have to watch yeah. some yeah. Nerdist, nerd, what's it called, Nerdist or something Nerdist, like that? There's, there's Nerdist, there's Screen Crush, my, what is my, one of my favorites. Screen Crush is the one you like? Um, oh, and I got to say, I got to give credit where credit's due, because I was talking a lot of smack about Giancarlo Esposito, like, 20 episodes ago. And <laughs> I got to he did really well. Like, he brought it this season to me, like... Yes, he still felt like the Breaking Bad character in in a Star Wars costume, but it worked because he's like scary. His voice is very scary and intimidating. Yeah, the way he yeah. the way he talks, yeah. something about his like cadence of his words and everything. It, it's he's creepy. And he did he the uh, well. he did the traditional Disney villain. I'm gonna tell you my entire plan while you have time to figure out your plan on how you're gonna escape, which. <laughs> Right. Which villains do that because they're narcissists and they want to tell their whole plan. Um, I thought it was cool where they're going with that story with uh, him because he was creating clones of himself using Grogu's force juice so that these clones would now have force powers. Um, and then he went a step further and used Mandalorian uh, metal. I forgot what it's called. Shame on me. And was using that to make the these new Mando kind of stormtroopers, uh, but they still had the stormtrooper design with those gaps that you could easily stab them in, so it didn't matter <laughs> if you shot them in the wrong place. Um, and then when he put his helmet on and I heard his voice through the like Darth Vader type filter, it was very intense. I was like, oh my God, he's badass. And he was like fighting everyone. They all took a crack at him, every single right. character. And then when he crushed in his fist the Darksaber that we have been following since Clone Wars and Rebels and going through t- thousands of years, this entire culture of the, of the Mandalore people put everything in stake at this, at this Darksaber and he just crushed it. I don't know. Right. I just thought that was a badass enemy. So whether or not he survives his big explosion or not, um, there were people saying that that was a Breaking Bad Easter egg, the way he died with the flames yeah, coming behind him. I thought him. of it right. immediately. I was like, and he, I was like, wait, I've seen this before. Right. All they needed was to have him turn to the side and like have half melted and it fall off. Right. It would have been perfect. <laughs> uh, but so I thought that part of the, was that the finale? It was one of the last episodes when that big battle happened. I thought yes. it was pretty badass. It was really tense. I didn't know who was going to survive and who wasn't. I was freaking out because Grogu was jumping around the ceiling because his machine robot died. I was like, what's going to happen? Who's going to survive? Ah. Uh, so I think I think from a finale perspective, they got me kind of like, in, you know, hyped up and worried and thrilled. Uh, so that was. Really I did fun. see that review from a lot of people that like they might not have loved the entire season, but the last episode was like it was like it went out with a bang. People kept saying I saw yeah. that. But um what did you What did you think about Grogu jumping all over the place? Because you know that's my favorite. Oh, you hate that. I don't mind it. I mean, only because I already got, I already got over it when I saw Yoda doing it in the prequels. That's, I was gonna right? ask you. That's all it reminded me of yeah. was Yoda in the prequels. So I'm just like, and I, I hated guess that too. That's how the species rolls. I guess that's just. And I want to know, like, are they using their uh, leg strength or the force to do that? I don't think he has legs. <laughs> or feet. Feet strength, like your toe bones. Like so, just pushing off, like yeah. <laughs> launching into the... Right? Who knows? It must. Maybe it's a combo with the Force. Um, it was cool to see Grogu, Grogu use 
the force bubble thing to protect them from all the fire. That was giving me like a Groot Guardians of the Galaxy vibe and also Violet from Incredibles. Right. I thought it was really cool. And I still uh, get a kick out of anytime I see Mandalorians flying together in unison fighting. It's just makes me tickled all over. <laughs> it just looks so cool <laughs> and badass. Um, so that was cool. And then, oh yeah, I was thinking one more thing about Giancarlo Esposito's character is all of that was so smart. Like he was one of the smarter villains of all Star Wars because if he was not defeated, not, none of the rest of the Star Wars stories would have happened because if you had storm stormtroopers with Giancarlo Esposito, Giancarlo inside with force powers they would have defeated all the good guys already like he was so close to creating the scariest army he could have right yikes that's also scary to just think about yeah that could go so maybe he survives and we'll get to see it yeah (gasps) i wouldn't mind more of him you know because he he really brought it at the end there um and so any more thoughts on reviews i want to talk a little bit about the the creator john favreau and some other fan theories um, no, I think, I think I've gotten my feelings out there. Um, there was a cameo. Or do you have that in your later part? At oh, all no, no, no. Want? Go for it. Did you see that Dave Filoni had a cameo? Yes. In the final episode? Yeah, very <laughs> With cool. his freaking hat on, his cowboy hat on. <laughs> was he a bartender or was he at the bar? At the bar? Yeah, I think he was at the bar. At the bar, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was cool. That was that was cool, cool to see him in there because that's that's always fun. Um, all right. Okay. So where is this Tell going me... next? What do you? Yeah. Think? I have no idea. Like we're progressing so much with Grogu that I feel like it's gonna almost go into his story next. Din Grogu. Oh, <laughs> that's so cute. He's Din Grogu now. That's very cute. So Din Grogu, which just makes it even harder to say. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like we're going to see more of his angle next season, um, because he's like full on Mandalorian, right? So like, let's see how that tracks. And he's so popular that I feel like they almost should just roll with him a little bit more. Um, so that's my prediction. Is there going to go a little more leaning towards his story? What do you think? I hope so too. I think, um, Going back to the Game of Thrones analogy I used earlier, I think now with Ahsoka coming out and um, and all that, I feel like we're going to start seeing the different groups who are fighting their own battles, uh, fit, complete their own battles, and then fight the bigger battle together. And so we heard a lot of the coming, the return of Thrawn throughout this season of Mandalorian, which Mm. is leading up to Ahsoka. So I think Thrawn's going to be the big bad, and we're eventually going to see a powered-up Grogu with Mando, and probably anyone that Mando came across that's not dead yet. You know how they do, like, Avengers style? They'll probably all come back and help defeat Thrawn in some way, whatever their skill is, uh, along with, like, Ahsoka's crew, so I'm excited to see that all come together into this bigger story now that I feel like Grogu and Mando's story are kind of complete in terms of where they were starting in part one of the season. Okay, okay. Um, so I think that's cool. There's other wild fan theories out there that we'll see Grogu as a teenager 
over with Ray Palpatine in or Ray Skywalker, oh. I should say, in her movie that's coming out. <laughs> that's supposed to be set a few years after the the thing. And what I heard, uh, this is not even a fan theory. I read this just a few minutes before we started recording. Was some information has come out from about the Damon Lind- Lindelofs? I think I'm saying his name right. Those are the Game of Thrones guys. Remember, they were oh, okay. supposed to write a movie. They had a Star Wars movie that was going to be created, and they were like the first ones announced to happen after the sequel oh, trilogy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and years had gone by, nobody heard anything, and then Kathleen Kennedy said it's no longer happening, so they were fired. And now they're able to talk about what it was going to be. Oh. And it was going to take place 30 years after Rise of Skywalker, and it was going to have Rey played by Helen Mirren, which is kind of interesting. What? So she, it would okay. become this like older Jedi type yeah, of thing. Yeah, okay. All right. And start trying to redo the Jedi Order. A lot of what the fans were saying was it might have been even more repetitive, like having the old Jedi come back and then meet with the new generation like all right yeah so maybe it's a good thing that that they didn't do that but it is pretty interesting and that could have been a place where they put grogu um but it looks like that might still happen in some some shape way or form so i'm excited to see what happens with older grogu what he looks like um i really don't want him to ever talk maybe they give him another robot to talk through (laughs) he could be like doug from up and just have another vocalizer um, yeah, please. That'd be great. That would be cool. You can just keep pressing buttons like the dogs on TikTok. Yes. That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. No. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. There's that scene where he thought Mando was uh, hurt, so he started spraying the whole metal costume with the oh, antibacterial yeah. stuff. <laughs> they, I do love them as a father-son uh, I do. duo. I do, too. And he's officially Which now the also... father, right? According to the Mandalorian religion. Oh, okay, they yeah. yeah. Him. Uh-huh. You're right. Um, I also love that Pedro Pascal has just fell, fallen into these father roles. Yeah. Like he just keeps playing this like overprotective, loving father role. It's, it's kind of interesting. Zaddy roles. Um, that Zaddy. Hey, Zaddy. Speaking <laughs> of father roles, what I found really fascinating, and I, I'm going to tell you about this next thing. Most of the information I got was from these videos, particularly Screen Screen Crush. They did a really good job. So I want to talk a little bit about Jon Favreau because he is he is one of us. He's not only a Disney holic, he's a Star Wars holic, he's a pop culture holic. And let's think about Jon Favreau. When I was young, I remembered him from Swingers. I remember like our mutual friend Danielle and her boyfriend Jared. They were really into that movie. I was not, but there was this whole crew of like Vince Vaughn and Sean Favreau, and they all kind of came up together in the industry. Right. Um, and so Jon Favreau, he started out as an actor, then he went on to write and then eventually direct so many films. And if you know a little bit about his history, it gets even more layered. So Jon Favreau uh, was raised by a single parent because his father, I think, passed away. I think that's what happened. And so he tends to always write these father-son dynamic stories in everything he does. By the way, I might have got that flipped. I don't know if he was left with his mom or his dad. It was one of the I was going to say, he'll fit right into Disney if that's yeah. the case. <laughs> but it, it influenced his filmography and his writing. So I want to go through some of the movies where I was like, oh my gosh, this is pretty true. So we're going to start with one of his big first movies that he put together, which was Iron Man 1. 
And with yeah. Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2 and Iron Man in general in the MCU, there's a father-son dynamic with the Stark family and the father-son. And he's always trying to reconnect with the dad through any way he can, whether through holograms or written notes or science that's gone unfinished. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. I was like, okay, I see that. Uh, he did the Lion King live action. That is a father-son story, a big <laughs> right. one with Simba and Mufasa. You know what else he did? Elf, everyone's favorite Christmas movie, oh, which also has Will Ferrell playing Elf, who's just longing for a father figure. And he keeps Aww. bothering that old man <laughs> who's like an executive and he doesn't want it. So I thought that was really interesting as well. There was also uh, the Jungle Book that he did. And there's a basically an, an orphaned boy who's now raised by other people. And his culture is changed by that. And then you go to things like Star Wars and The Mandalorian. Then you have Clone Wars was really focused on Anakin and his, I guess, relationship or lack thereof with um, his future son. Like you're starting to see these these uh, patterns of Anakin's story as a Jedi and what he was doing good before it went dark and how it was similar or different to Luke, his son. And then come full circle with Mandalorian, definitely a father-son story there with Grogu and Mando. So, wow, I just thought that was really interesting when you put it all together that way. I was like, okay, this guy really, this is all very personal to him, the way he wrote it and the way he put it all together. I thought that was really cool. It is heartbreaking and very heartwarming all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then one other aspect of John Favreau's story is he is half Jewish. So um, his mother, okay, his mother was Jewish. So it was his mom that passed. So his Jewish mother passed and he was raised by a single dad who was not Jewish, but wanted to make sure that he never um, parted ways with the Jewish culture. And he kept mm. doing everything he could to make sure John Favreau understood the Jewish culture. So he grew up basically Jewish. And in this Screen Crush video, they brought in a panel of um, people who are Jewish that are Star Wars fans to talk about The Mandalorian specifically. So I thought they did that okay. in a good way because it's it's not great if someone like me or the Screen Crush host is trying to talk about you know, the plights of the Jewish people. So they right. had the actual uh, Jewish fans talking about it. And it's so fascinating, particularly the Mandalorian storyline and the, the story of Mandalore and the parallels with the nation of Israel and how the Jewish people have been turned into different factions and then going back and fighting for that land against different odds. And, you know, like uh, David and Goliath, they're always fighting against the larger evil. And there's just so many cool parallels there. I would recommend people Google that or check that out because it goes into so much detail that is almost exactly some of the things that is happening in Mando that it's almost irreputable that he's definitely putting in some layers of sort of the Jewish uh, story and history into a right. Star Wars themed version of that. And I, I find it so fascinating. The religious aspect and mythology that we learned about the Mandalorian people, very, very cool. Now, you know what I never, I don't think I've ever known, did he, like, who wrote The Mandalorian? Was this, like, already books made about this story he that did. they're now turning into film? Yeah, he created he it. He did? Yeah, he was able to do it. So then him and Dave Filoni put their heads together. Um, and that's why I think the, I really like the TV stuff, because these guys are, they're, um, 
they keep things connected. They're really thoughtful and it all makes sense a bit versus like some of the haphazard, like the prequel and the sequel trilogy and all that. So I guess they were yeah. given the keys <laughs> to the Falcon by Kathleen Kennedy and she's hopefully happy with the results so far with everything. They yeah, did. I have to say so. Wow, that's really cool. I did not know that at all. I've always been uncomfortable about how much like the dark side or whatever they resemble like Nazis. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> and so I, I wonder if they, did they cover any of that at all in the talk that they had? Because I know that wasn't his creation. That was already that's been right. forever um, in Star Wars universe. But they didn't. But I'm a thousand percent sure that's out there because I remember reading stuff about how George Lucas was inspired by that kind of stuff to create the bad guys of the original one. And then how the first order in the sequel trilogy is a little bit more like North Korea, and especially that scene where right. you have Hux like Any standing. Type of dictatorship. Yeah. And there's like right. that line yeah. of stormtroopers. Oh, it's pretty creepy. Um, yeah. So, the colors, so, <clears throat> like even in galaxy's edge with like the red and black and yeah. white stuff. And I'm like, Ugh, like too much. But the part I think where it actually started bothering me was when people were dressed in the costumes, oh, like especially yeah. kids. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, this is kind of creepy now. <laughs> it could get very weird for sure. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. I did not know any of that. Um, and I feel like John Favreau is one of those guys I want to give a hug to. Like he's just, yeah. he seems like he loves the fans, loves the stories, loves everything about what he does. Um, and I, I love that he's, he plays happy also oh, yeah. in Spider-Man and like, he seems just like he's playing himself in that yeah. movie, yeah. right? It's just him. Um, so hats off to him. That's really cool. There's one more thing about John Favreau that, um, I thought was a good connection to all of this is when he talks at like, what was the thing that happened most recently? The celebration? Oh, Star Wars Star Celebration? Yeah, like whenever yeah. he's on the stage, like he's geeking out with the audience and sometimes goes off track to go back to being the... the <laughs> yeah, he's like, hold on, I got to pull back to be the director. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he's just <laughs> so cool. in it. And with with a show like this, like I like how we actually didn't have the same rating of Mandalorian Season 3 because you could... You could not love the season, but still understand the context of what they were trying to do. And whether it landed right. or not to you, that's that's fine. But I think it's interesting to learn about what they were trying to do. And I that's why I watch all that stuff. It's fascinating. Uh, but I thought since we're celebrating May the 4th, we could do a fun trivia game. And since I'm going to host it and you're going to play it, I'm going to make it even fun, more fun for you and have it be Star Wars Trivia Disney Parks Edition. Ooh, good. Then I feel like I might have the slightest chance, at least, when Disney <laughs> Parks are involved. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for the first question? Sure, let's do it. And listeners, definitely play along. I tried to make these not super difficult. Here we go. In what year did the original Star Tours attraction open at Disneyland? 1986. Seven. Ooh, 87. You got it right at the cusp there. But it I was January 1987, so it was just, who knows, maybe it was delayed and it was going to open in 86? No, I think 86 was when Adventures Through Inner Space closed, so I always get those mixed up. Ah. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Star Tours. The Adventures Continue, which I think it's strange that they didn't just leave the name Star Tours, but I guess they wanted 
all of us to know that there were new scenes added when they added that. So the updated version of Star Wars introduced random ride experiences. How many different possible ride combinations are there in the current version of Star Tours? I 100% know this, but I also have no idea what it is. I just, I know I've heard it a million times over, and I couldn't tell you. I'm going to guess, I think it's always lower than what I would assume it to be, but it's still a lot. So I'm going to guess like 72. 384. Oh, there is a lot. Dang it. (laughs) What's the name of the pilot droid that guides the Star Speeder 1000 on its intergalactic journey? C-3PO. Yep. I was uh, putting together that question tonight. I was going to say DJ Rex for some reason. Or or why was I thinking that? Was he before? Captain Rex? Yeah, he was the original. Ah, before. No wonder. Okay. And you know what's funny? Real quick, not to interrupt, but the Star Tours, when it reopened with these interchangeable scenes, from what I remember, the way that they shared it was that this is actually a prequel to the original attraction which is why that phrase you said is even more confusing the adventure continues because if you notice when you're in the queue captain rex is there and he's like being built still oh or or maybe he's malfunctioning and they're sending him out because he's broken so they brought c-3po in i don't know i just remember it was supposed to be prequel because it was all prequel trilogy at that time yeah that's when they're bringing into the attraction so I was always a little confused about that, too. If anybody knows the story about that, please let us know the real story, because I always get it mixed up. And it's almost even more confusing when they when they added, um, what's the desert planet of Ray? Oh, Jakku? Jakku, because, yeah, like, yeah, now you're just all over the timeline. It's all, point. yeah. <laughs> um, what is the name of the company that produced the Star Speeder 1000 transport vehicle? Wow. Um, oh, I don't think I know this one. Is it printed on it? I don't know where it is, but the internet says that the company, <laughs> the fictional company is the Corellian Engineering Corporation. Ah, uh, I could picture them like saying that in the dialogue while you're in that room. Yeah. Maybe like, the like Corellian, one of the, da, 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 da. the TV lady putting on your yeah. seatbelt and all that. Um, what... <laughs> Star Wars character makes a surprise appearance to assist the Star Speeder 1000 when escaping the Imperial attack in the original version of Star Tours. What? Hold on a second. Who? Say that again? <laughs> what, what Star Wars character makes an appearance to assist character. us uh, during the Imperial attack in the old version? I'm trying to figure picture if it's the person's face or voice. I'm actually not sure. Is it? Gosh. Yeah, so I'm trying to picture a person, but you might be right. Could be the voice. Is it? What's his name? What's the, like, the guy who drives or flies the... I'm Captain of the Millennium <laughs> Is it Han Solo? <laughs> it's Han Solo. Never heard of the Millennium Is Falcon. it? I guess okay, he's talking to you somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what? it either. I don't remember it either. Uh, anyone else remembers it, let us know because what is that? I'm going to have to rewatch the whole yeah. show on YouTube right after this. Oh, they must have the old ones, right? On YouTube? Yeah. Okay, that's nice. 
Um, okay. Which Star Wars planet is known for pod racing and we visit it during one of the new Star Wars scenes? Tatooine. Yes. Tatooine, the OG planet that we're kind of tired of seeing desert, but it is, you know, every, <laughs> the world revolves around Tatooine in the Star Wars galaxy, apparently. Oh, my God. Um, I remember Mandalorian. That was a big thing. We're like, oh, we're back at the desert. desert like, yep. <laughs> can we not? Uh, oh, that does remind me. Back to John Favreau just for a second. Um, he was talking about his approach to creating the Mandalorian in particular. And he said, rather than being inspired by the Star Wars movies, the George Lucas movies, and then rather than being inspired by the other Star Wars movies, he went even further back and looked at all the inspiration George Lucas put together for the Star Wars Ooh, movies. So he was inspired he by the samurai stuff, the westerns, <laughs> the cowboys. Oh, so he so went to good. the source source material. And that's why sometimes when it when Mandalorian is good and when it works, it feels like quote unquote Star Wars because it's coming right. from the, the same inspiration source. That I thought episode that was cool. with Ahsoka was so good. I think it's one of my favorite moments in Star Wars at all like that western and even like Japanese style yeah. like all that stuff that was going on in that oh my god it was so good very cool um, yeah I forget what I was going to ask you but carry on alright <laughs> in which two theme parks did Disney Star Tours first open so we know Disneyland what's the second one was it not and this was in 1987 as well was it not MGM? Tokyo Disneyland. Oh, they got it really? the same year. Pretty wow, cool. Wow, really? They get good stuff over there. They're like, oh my we're gosh, not going to wait. It doesn't even feel like they would have even been around by then. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, That's okay. crazy. What classic Disney attraction was replaced by Star Tours in Disneyland Paris? So Star Tours made its way to Paris, but it did have to replace a fan favorite Tomorrowland attraction. Wait, hold on. Star Tours replaced an attraction or an attraction replaced Star Tours? Star Tours replaced an attraction. Okay. Um, wow, I don't know this. And I would love to dive into this, by the way, just for future reference. Like some extinct attractions in other parks. Yeah, we rarely talk I about I want to dive into those. That'd be fun. Um, it's one of your favorites. A classic Tomorrowland one. Favorites? Yeah. Tomorrowland? And I actually didn't know they had it anywhere other than Disneyland, so this was a fun trivia question. What? Okay, now I'm very confused. Hold on. Let me think. Anywhere other than Disneyland? I have some clues if, if you want yes, to. Yes, please. Okay, so it would be made by the same visionary creator as Star Wars. Oh, Captain EO? Captain EO, yep. Wait, what? <laughs> That's just a show. Yeah. So they, they ripped wow. out that area and they put Star Tours. But I'm bumped. Wow. They must have had some expansion pad behind there or something. Because <laughs> it seems like a whole different size of something you would need for an attraction versus a show. Wow. <laughs> okay. So this last question um, in my Star Tours category is specific to Ewok fans out there. Because I didn't even know this. So the Ewok Village has an actual name. So let's go to the Forest Moon of Endor. And even in MGM slash Hollywood Studios, they have that little Ewok Village area outside for a second. What is that called? No idea. <laughs> I didn't At even... all. 
Bright Tree Village is what they call Bright? it. Bright? Bright Tree Village. Huh. And I think I was reading that you used to be able to walk on those. I don't know if that was true or not. Like if, what, was up it, in the tree houses? Yeah. Was it bigger so. before the Star Tours attraction? Um, I don't know. I don't remember it. I do remember you used to be able to take a picture under the foot of the uh, ATAT walker. You know how it's like oh. lifted up and now it's like roped off. Oh. And I've had I have pictures of me in there, and I would never jump over ropes. So that used to be accessible. Like you walk in there a little bit. But That's cool. That would have been. Cool. I don't remember anything else about walking up in any or even expansion of that maybe i don't know yeah i i kind of raised an eyebrow that i was like oh i'm not sure but i do remember when we would play disney infinity back in the day you could run around like there was like an ewok village type of thing and that was cute and they need to make that i think we we uh, armchair imagineered an ewok village at one point on this podcast (laughs) over in disneyland between uh uh Critter Country and Galaxy's Edge. They could put one there. That would be so cute. Please do it. Uh, all right. So I have 10 more Star Wars Disney Parks trivia questions for you. All right. This time we are going to be traveling to Galaxy's Edge. Now. All right. Which two theme parks can you find Galaxy's Edge? Oh, I think you could find those in Disneyland proper. And Hollywood Studios. Correct. I almost called it MGM. Right. <laughs> what is the name of the planet that Galaxy's Edge takes place? Batu. Batu. In Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, there is a beverage place. <laughs> I'm trying not to use the word. There is a place with a lively atmosphere where you can go for a drink. What is this popular destination called? Ah, Oga's Cantina. Oga's Cantina. Who is Oga? Oga is a fictional, or Oga is a real character in the Star Wars universe that was created for Batu specifically. Um, and Oga, Oga's, she's a character. <laughs> I didn't even prepare that question, so I don't know the answer. <laughs> so I'm glad you know even a I little know bit of it. You hear about her backstory, but I, I can't, I don't know how to put it in words at all. She's like, she reminds me of the fake characters we made for Adventurers Club, where she owns the bar yeah. and she's this like yeah. crazy, she's got this huge history and everybody knows her and she takes care of the city and all this stuff. She kind of gives me, um, Vibes from that lady from yes. the pre- sequel trilogy. What's her name? Ugh, I forgot. The orange lady pick, that looks like the e. eyeball, e. the yeah. glasses. Oh my god! Oh, I almost Maz, had it. Maz Kanata. Maz. Yeah. I was stuck on Mazuza. What's that from? Ooh, I didn't know, but it sounds like Pazuzu, which is the Exorcist. No, oh, I think that's what you. I was thinking of too. <laughs> Darn. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of like that because it reminds me of like all of these kind of adventure movies. There's always somebody that owns a bar and they don't choose any sides and they let people They're like, like retired out. from yeah. it or something, right? Yeah. yeah. And then you have to like get them back out of retirement to get the clue or something like that. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So that's that's Oga. We're going to say that's who Oga is. Okay. So Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run Somebody, a Star Wars character, enlists us to help fly the Vulcan and get these fuel rods. Who is that character? 
That is Hondo Onaka. Yeah, good one. I, I I actually always forget his name. I know exactly who he is, but I forget the <laughs> name. Hondo Onaka. So he helps us in Smuggler's Run, and you can get uh, credits from him depending on how well you play the video game attraction. All right. So in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, there's also an entire area dedicated to unique shops and food stalls. What is this marketplace called? Oh my gosh. I always just call it the marketplace. <laughs> Shoot, I don't know this one. What is it? Black Spire Outpost. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Once you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah, duh. Yeah. Black oh, Spire Outpost. Oh, wait, wait, isn't that the whole place? That's right. It's supposed to be the actual shopping area, yeah. right? Yeah, it's very, yeah, oh they they really went, you know, and we all know this, but they really went full detail on this whole land. So there's Batu is the planet, Black Spire Outpost is the marketplace, and then the Black Spires are named after what? What are they? Do you remember? Do you know? The Black Spires are named after... Or there there are something. What were they before they were called the Black Spires? <laughs> um, no, I do not know. <gasps> they were giant trees <coughs> that extended all the way up to the sky. And they, over time, they petrified and became stumps. And all we see now are the stumps, the sharp stumps of the petrified massive trees. <laughs> and they now are called the Black Spires. I don't think I ever heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't remember that. It's a really cool, uh, fun fact, though. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So let's see. I have a few more questions for you. Okay. At the Droid Depot over in Galaxy's Edge, you can customize your own droids what are the two main droid types that a guest can choose Ooh. from? You can choose from... I should say when it opened, because I think they've added stuff. Okay, I think it was a BB-8. Or a, what are they called? Just BBs? Uh-huh. BB, BB model or BB something? series droid. BB series. And I believe the R5 unit. They call it just the R series, so I guess that means okay. you can get, yeah, the 5, the 2. Maybe they have both. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I could have sworn people had R2-D2 looking ones, too, but I've seen so many more of the, like, square, squared top, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. the R5s. That's the one that made an appearance in Mando Season 3, right? And it helped uh, open those yes, red R5. gates. Right? And it, so cute, yeah. The way it, like, just flew away was so cute with those little rat <laughs> things chasing it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Bananas. Um, okay, in Rise of the Resistance, so the major e-ticket at Galaxy's Edge, guests join the battle against who? Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren and the? The First Order. Boom. <laughs> yeah. And the setting of this takes place in the Resistance base. So that's a whole other kind of mini land within Batuu, now that I think about it. Right. Resistance base. Um, All right. What is the name of the shop where you can build your own custom lightsabers in Galaxy's Edge? That is called Savi's Workshop. It is Savi's Workshop. Now, who is Savi? You know, Savi is a... (laughs) It's another one that I didn't prepare for. I have no idea. (laughs) 
I don't know the gender of Savi, but gender doesn't matter. So we're just going to go non-binary Savi. <laughs> and they are a junkyard owner. <laughs> and they get lots of spare parts for you to create your lightsabers out of. And the lightsaber workshop is like a secret. Like, you have to know Savi to get into the lightsaber. Just kidding. I'm making up my own version of this person. <laughs> I have no idea. So do you know the true I, story? I do not this? know the true story. Um, <laughs> but I. But the last part you said I think is right, where it's supposed to be like secret within uh, Black Spire Outpost, like a secret underground. That's like what I what I hope, and I can't remember if it's true or if I just made it up. And you, yes, you've done um, it before, right? I haven't done it. Yes, I cried. It was amazing. <laughs> Wait, <what? laughs> I got so into it. Did I not tell you about this? I don't think I know that you cried. That's amazing. Oh, my God. I freaking cried. I went in there wanting a red lightsaber because I love red lighting. And <laughs> I walked out with a blue one, and I got touched by all the emotions in there. And I found myself, f- like, following the light side, and I wanted to be a Jedi, and... I got a blue lightsaber and walked out there happy as a clam. And I was just like, what just happened? Oh, afterwards? my gosh. That's like, that's like what tearing. the Imagineers wanted. It was for you exactly. to live your own Star Wars story. And you did. And I didn't know. Like, I went in there, like, knowing it was going to be cool and I was excited for it. But I wasn't anywhere near as excited. Or I didn't think it would impact me like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just was like, well, this is going to be fun. Build your own lightsaber or whatever. But the... The way it's presented to you and the th- questions they ask you and they get real personal, it was like, oh my gosh, like a little bit of therapy up in Batu, you oh, know? Wow. What can you do? That means you would definitely probably like Star Cruiser then, right? Yeah, probably. Because it seems like a lot of that from what we've heard. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last question about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, May 4th. May the 4th be with you, Trivia, Disney Holics edition, is what are the two unique beverages from the Star Wars fictional universe galaxy thing that you can get in Galaxy's Edge and drink? Ah, are you talking about the, I think I know what you're talking about, but I'm going to go with the Tauntaun, what is it called? The Bespian Fizz? Are you talking about ones that we've already seen in the Star Wars universe? From the like movies, the green yeah. milk and the blue milk. <laughs> yeah. The green and the blue. I do feel like, do, does somebody order a fuzzy tauntaun in the movies? Now that you say it, it sounds familiar. I, could I don't hear, know. Like Han Solo I don't think so. No. <laughs> well. That would probably be really gross, actually. <laughs> that <laughs> is probably the know better to stay away from that. <laughs> of our Star Wars trivia Disney Parks edition for May Ooh. the 4th. Whoop, whoop. Thanks. I still failed. He said he made those questions easy, you guys. It was that was still hard for me. You you, you did know? well. I think you did well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to throw one other thing out there. Something really cool. That I think you can find on a live somewhere if you guys are free. Um, on March or March, May the fourth. If you're available, May the fourth at eleven thirty a.m. They are doing um, a dedication for Carrie Fisher is getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which is so cool. And her daughter's going to be there to receive the award. And if any of you are going and would like to give me a ride, please let me know. (laughs) I'm just saying I would love to go. I will be down there. Um, However, I don't have a car. So anyway, um, very cool moment in Star Wars history that she gets to get a star and the best day to do it. 
Yeah. On May the 4th. And I'm sure, uh, what did you just say that? I'm not sure if you did. The Billy Lord is going to be there, I think, to yeah, accept yeah. it. The daughter yeah. of. Um, and she's been really coming up lately in American Horror Story and other movies yeah. like that. She's Aww. getting a good jump in into everything, and she's been in the Star Wars films too, right? So yeah, yep, with with a weird hairstyle, just like her mom. Yeah, yep. <laughs> wow. So today's episode, we celebrate a little bit of May the Fourth with some trivia, Mando reviews, and getting excited for Star Wars night. And we also look back at our weird, quirky, but kind of Disney Vegas trip that we took last week. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. So thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoyed episode 135 of the Disney Holics Show. Follow us on social media at the Disney Holics. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a message on Instagram or email us at fanmail at the Disneyholics.com. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. I really want to go to Disneyland.